Please turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. How many of you have heard the phrase, hindsight is 2020? We've used that, right? We talk about that all the time. You know, this chapter takes a look back at faith and the life of Israel and brings that forward as he is beginning, as he's not beginning, as he's been laying out his case for the fact that Jesus is better than the law. And so it's an exciting time as we look back because so often we think of grace and faith and all of that as, as with the demarcation point as being the New Testament instead of the entire Genesis to Revelation. And so today, we are going to be looking at Abel's faith. You know, we had talked about how we were going to approach Hebrews 11. And so we're going to be in, uh, as far as whether we're going to just kind of take chunks of it or whether we're going to go into the character sketches. And we have opted for the latter. And so we're going to be able to dive in a little bit with these guys and some of the decisions they've made. Some of the material is very, um, there's a lot of it, and some of it, it's a little bit scarce. And so uh, we will take it as God delivered it. Amen? Amen. All right, we got to work on that. Amen? Amen. All right, that's a little better. All right. Let's, uh, let's jump in here. Hebrews 11 and verse 4 says this. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and I thank you for this opportunity to hear from you. And Father, I pray this morning as our hearts and minds turn toward you, I pray that you'll speak to us. I pray that we'll hear from you. I pray that we'll see what you're up to here. And I pray that you apply it to our lives. Thank you for all you've done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, this morning as we discuss Abel's faith, we will see a better sacrifice. We're going to see Abel's testimony. And we'll see God's testimony. About Abel, actually. And so, as we begin, we see a better sacrifice. We're told that Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. Have you, anybody ever heard that before? I've heard several sermons on this, this specific topic. And we are going to address this morning why it was better. And I want you with me to travel in the scriptures and we're going to, we're going to say what the scripture says. We're not going to add to it or take away from it. So we're going to go back and we're going to look at the actual event in Genesis chapter four, verses one through eight. <coughs> Now the man, that's Adam, had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have 
gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, on his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. But you must master it. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can look back and see the story that you have just shown us. And Father, I pray today that you will illuminate this passage to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's been discussion surrounding the phrase, a better sacrifice. And the arguments fall into two camps. The the first argument is, well, he brought an animal sacrifice where Cain brought a grain sacrifice. And so God had respect for the animal sacrifice over the grain sacrifice. You ever heard that before? And it's an interesting look as we look back. We have to line out some of the facts before we can decide whether or not that's why it was better. We have a tendency to read back into based on what we know today. We can see Christ in the Old Testament because we've seen Christ in what he did in the New Testament, right? It allows us a vision to see back. But we have to look at what they knew then, not what we know now, to understand why they did what they did. So they did not have the law in Genesis 4. The law had not been written. There was no laws about animal sacrifice or grain sacrifice because God lined that out in the, in the law, didn't he? There was both. So, well, we say then we argue that it was a blood sacrifice. When they had had an example of a blood sacrifice when God clothed Adam and Eve with animal skins. And so, is that why it's better? Because they were following God's example. It would be, you could make a case for that, and there's been a lot of cases made for that. That's not where I fall. I fall on on the place where the scripture says, this is why. The second group of this has to do with hardened faith. We just read a verse that said, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice, right? Did the scripture say that? So we're told in that verse why it was a better sacrifice because it was offered by faith. 
God, if we go back and we go to the animal versus grain, we have to say that God accepts or rejects the sacrifice based solely on the sacrifice to hold that view. God does not accept or reject sacrifice solely on the sacrifice itself. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had a problem with the money changers. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. If it's only on the sacrifice. He has respect for the heart. And for the faith in which Abel offered it. And I think you can argue all day long on the animal versus grain. Yet God required both. And they each brought up their best. Why? That's the question I hear all the time about this passage. If God required the best or the first, and they both brought of that, why would God reject one? Right? Have you ever had that question? You ever heard that question before? The reason is, is because without faith, it's impossible to please God. We're actually going to get to that verse soon in our studies through Hebrews. And so faith was not limited to the New Testament. Faith has been going on from time began. And faith has always been required. It's always been required in relation to salvation. And so that is why, from what I read, and from what God's word says, that Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. And because he offered it by faith. And so, does God want us to just do religious works for the sake of doing them? Doesn't He talk about that? He talks about the Pharisees as whitewashed sepulchre. You know what the Pharisees were? Pharisees were pastors, as we know them today. There were synagogues, and they over they oversaw part of the people, but they were empty inside. They were doing the works. What works do we present to get burned up? We were talking about that moments ago. Works that we've done out of our own effort. The only thing that's eternal that lasts is God and what God does in and through us. And so he offers this better sacrifice. So it appears from this passage that faith was the key to an acceptable sacrifice. Just doing religious things doesn't move God. (laughs) It doesn't. It's self-righteousness. And it stinks. Well, but I did this and I did that and I did this. Listen, God, what does God need from me? Nothing. Nothing. God is in need of nothing from me. He invites me to participate. He invites me to be a part of it. Because he wants to share himself with me and himself with the world through me. Through what a changed life looks like. And that is the great joy of participating with him. See, think about this for just a minute. We have to stop and realize who he's talking to again. Remember, he was talking to the Jews who were so tied into the law that they missed Jesus Christ. And so when he talks about, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice, who is he talking to? He's talking 
to the Jews who had offered plenty of sacrifices. But God had respect for one and not for the other. And it all had to do with faith. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. And what made it better was his faith. It was his faith. And so we see that faith is required. See, they had not had faith. It was all about religious rules, about what we need to do, about doing this and checking this box for God. It had nothing to do with about a genuine, authentic, communicative relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about putting on a show and talking about how God spoke to me and being all emotional and falling on the ground and flopping and sweating and spitting. And... I'm talking about, a, let me tell you something. When you meet God, you might be on the ground. <laughs> but it ain't going to be something that you learned in a class. You know, I had, a, I had somebody that I knew, that was actually one of my relatives, was telling me how they were teaching them that speak in tongues. If you are given a gift by God, nobody has to teach you that. It's a gift. And I talked, I did a sermon on tongues. If you want to go find out our position on that, you can go back and listen to the sermon. Because this gibberish is not of God bottom line. I can prove it scripturally from the verses. Well, don't the angels pray with with uttering or with, with groanings which can't be uttered? Yeah, they do. They can't be uttered. Says it. Yeah, but they're uttered. They're saying it. They're saying it. They're doing it. Yeah, that's not it. If it can't be uttered, they can't we can't utter it. Tongues was always a known language to, uh, here I'm going to give it anyway. Tongues was always a known language to spread the gospel. Like I could be speaking in English and somebody could hear in Spanish. I wish God would gift me with the gift of Spanish. You know, I got asked, we were out flyering for the, for the children's thing and somebody asked, do you have services in Spanish? It's like, no, but we ought to. <coughs> Let's start praying for Luis. He's ready. <laughs> How do you say amen in Spanish? Amen. <laughs> I know Spanish. <laughs> Thank you, Luis. I need you to stay after. <laughs> so he was talking to people who have never used faith. It never had even the idea of faith. It's all been about ritual. And that's why he was saying this sacrifice was different. God paid attention because of faith. That's where he's leading them as you travel all through Hebrews. 
And so we see Abel's testimony. Due to the sacrifice, Abel gained the testimony that he was righteous. Due to what he what happened, due to the sacrifice, he gained the testimony that he's righteous. Now he didn't gain righteousness. He gained the testimony that he was righteous. Because we're not righteous by what we do, that's self-righteousness. He gained the testimony that he was righteous, which means that God had changed his life. Which means that he was given, we have imputed righteousness, right? You know what the scriptures tell us? Oh, here we go. The quieter you are, the longer I go. (laughs) (laughs) So our righteousness, the only righteousness God ever accepts is his. Because self-righteousness falls apart. And so if you think you're going to do something for God and that it's going to be exciting and acceptable to him, your eyes are on the wrong things. When God leads us into something, he says, Mark, this is what I want from you. And you say, yes, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to base it on faith. I'm going to move across the country. I'm going to start a ministry. I'm going to serve in an area. I'm going to witness to my boss or my underlings. And I'm going to trust you whether I keep my job or lose it. I'm following you at your voice. And whatever happens with my life is up to you. Then I'm walking in faith. And Abel, because he offered his sacrifice in faith, revealed the fact that he was a righteous man. That he had received Christ, if you will, into his life. So, do our works make us righteous? No. Not any more than me standing in your garage makes me a car. Or if I crawl around on the stage and meow, it makes me a cat. What we do does not change who we are. What we do flows out of who we are. And it's who we are in Christ. And so Abel gains this testimony. Because he offered the sacrifice by faith. See the expression of faith. Through our lives. Reveals the life change that salvation brings. Which is his imputed righteousness. It's an outflow. It's a result of. It is. There's things that happen in our life, or there's things that should have happened in your life when you came to faith in Christ. You know, we're sold, we're sold this easy believism today. We tell people, oh, if you just believe in God, He'll save you. Put your faith in Jesus and He'll save you. And and everything will come up roses. And you're going to have all these wonderful things in life. And it's going to be an easy journey. Or at least, if we're not being told that, we hope for that, don't we? We hope that God takes the pressure off. We hope that 
We don't face more difficult things in life because we're now a Christian. Let me tell you, Jesus said, if the world hated me, it's going to hate you too. If the world loves you, there's a problem with your relationship. (laughs) If the world wants to exalt Mark, there's a real problem. Now, I'm not encouraging hatred. (laughs) But when they're confronted with Christ and what the truth is. Most people want to run and hide. It's fight or flight. They'll either hide or they'll fight. They'll get in your face and tell you you're wrong. And tell you how you're mistreating them. And how, how you're uh, biased against them. Listen. If I'm sharing Jesus Christ with the world. I'm for them. Because I'm trying to show them. Where the only place is. That they can have eternal life. Because apart from Christ. You have no eternal life. You're not good enough. You're not born saved. That ain't in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. I'm born in sin. I was conceived in sin. There's none righteous, no, not one. You know why Jesus said that? Because there's no righteousness that we have to offer that counts as righteousness in his book. There's none good, no, not one. Don't you love that? When when they called him good and he said, there's none good, no, not one. I used to really get confused about that verse. Anybody ever been confused about that verse? I mean, I was like, how can that be possible? Jesus was perfect. Because the rule, Jesus is right. He was not good. He was righteous. Goodness is a result of self-effort. Because the tree in which it comes out of, the tree of the knowledge of... Isn't that funny that it's the first word and we skip it? You ever notice that? Because I think it's more dangerous than the word evil. Here we go. Buckle up. You know why it's more dangerous? Because none of us hope in evilness to escape the crud of this world. We all hope in goodness, don't we? The world says, man, if I just do the right things and all that, then God will accept me. No, God doesn't accept us based on our works. Not by works which I have done, but that which Jesus did for me. He will never, ever, ever accept your righteousness. Praise Jesus. (laughs) Thank God. How would we know when we've done enough? That's that's grace. (laughs) That's grace. Can you, you ever, how many of you, ever, don't raise your hands. How many of you have ever gotten a 79 or an 89 on an exam? Like, one point! How would you like to get to heaven and go, oh, I got a 59. <laughs> Instead of a 60, which would have been passing. That's not a merciful God. <laughs> That's rough, man. But the world, if they'll measure out what they think, that's what it comes down to. That's terrible. That's not grace. Listen, our testimony 
is the story of our relationship with the Lord expressed through our lives. And that's what happened for Abel. That's what happened for Abel. It was his relationship with God that led him there to offer that by faith. And that's why God received it. As the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth, seeking those whose hearts are completely in. But then we see God's testimony. This was kind of exciting to me. Don't you want God giving testimony about you? Some of us are like, it would depend what he would say. So we see God himself giving testimony about Abel. We're told that he testified about his gifts. Isn't that interesting? He testified, testified, testified? He testified about his gifts. That was the testimony. Well, what gifts is he talking about? What gifts did he bring? He brought the sacrifice. And God testified about that. It moved God to the point of speaking about Abel and the gifts he brought. That's the kind of life I want to have. But I can't achieve it on my own. I don't do it by self-effort. By trying to make it happen. By rededicating my life to Christ. You ever been down that road? How many, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm going to raise mine. How many of you ever rededicated your life to Christ? You went down to an altar, right? Thank you. At least thank you for not leaving me out here hanging alone. We go down to the altar and we pray and we commit to try harder. And do you ever do that around like December 31st, January 1st? Anybody do that one? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> And January 15th, we're like, oh yeah, well, I, two weeks ago, yeah, I prayed that two weeks ago. Our camp, right? Let me tell you how, how youth camp works. The first day, everybody's excited, they're bouncing off the wall. The second day, there's a powder cake brewing. Because somebody's irritating somebody. Day three, there's an explosion. And you monitor that, help everybody to get along, and you're dealing with the issues because it reveals itself. Everybody reveals their selfishness. <laughs> Day four is the calm after the storm. Everything's kind of quiet. Everybody's kind of going where they need to go. And day five, they're all crying because they have to leave. This was the greatest experience of their life. And they make all these commitments, and that God changes their life. And I used to tell them on day five, I said, we'll find out in two weeks. I wasn't trying to be a party pooper. But if it's genuine change, it stays changed. If it's an emotional response, emotions change, don't they? Right? All my married folk know that. We're praying for him. You know, everything's great, and then 
you wake up and realize they have bad breath and their clothes don't always make it to the hamper and how come the dishes can make it to the side of the sink but not in the sink and this dishwasher has been clean what do you mean there's no silverware you can empty it what's wrong with your legs I got to say that a lot to Terry over three months She'd ask for something. I'd say, what's wrong with your leg? Oh, that's right. She had a broken leg. And so we go through this, this journey. And it's not emotion-based. It's genuine life change. And God gives testimony about him. And he gives testimony about his sacrifice. See, when we serve in faith, ladies and gentlemen, we get God's attention. <laughs> When you do it because of faith, you get God's attention, not because you did a good work, but because your faith was in Him. He doesn't have respect for what I do. He has respect for the heart in which I do. And you can play the game. You can put on a good show. There's a lot of people doing it. Oh, yeah, we're going to go to church, and we're going to do this, and we've done our thing for God. Don't raise your hand. Do you ever think you do your thing for God by going to church? Ooh, I'm good. I'm covered this week. Listen, you ain't covered by coming to church. You're covered because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And if that ain't enough, this ain't enough. I promise you that. This don't hold a candle to what he did. I don't, even, I don't even think we really fathom what happened at the cross. We know the details. Jesus saw it and went anyway. They said you couldn't even tell he was a man. I can't imagine. And his beard ripped out. I've had a whisper get caught before and my whole my eyes started watering with one little thing. I don't think Mark could have gone to the cross for you. I would have been tapping out. Thank God our faith isn't in Mark. Amen. Thank God our faith is in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Because He'll never fail you. Now, he may fail to do what you want him to do. You ever done that? He's done that to me. Jesus, how come you won't do it? Jesus, where are you? Jesus, God's left me. Now what we say? Now what? God has left me. My heart has left him. And so the next time you think God has left you, check your own heart. Aren't you glad you came today? <laughs> it's true though. It's true. And so God testifies about him. We learn that through faith, even though Abel's dead, he still speaks. See, if we want to have a lasting impact on the world that points them to Christ... The only way to do that is walking in faith. And that will speak in two ways. It will speak for itself 
because it demonstrates confidence in God. Well, if they had confidence in God, maybe I can too. It points everything in your life to Him. It demonstrates confidence in Him. The second way that it speaks is really cool. God will use it to testify in the heart of others about our faith because He wants them to choose faith over self also. How many of you can think of somebody who was godly, who walked in faith, who, who served God and made a difference in your life? I can. Right? In the same way that God used it. They didn't say, well, you need to think about me next time. None of them said that, did they? Not a one of them. Mine didn't either. The Spirit of God does that. And the Spirit of God will do that with your life in the mind of other people. When you walk in faith. That's why... So that when Mark is dead and gone, amen, <laughs> I'll say it, <laughs> I'm ready. When I'm dead and gone, my life can still have an impact. Don't you want to have an impact beyond the grave? You know, we want to have an impact here. We don't ever think about beyond the grave much, do we? We go, I'm out. Isn't that kind of selfish? you think about it well now that I'm dead I don't have to make an impact for God anymore I want to impact God because I existed because he by his grace and mercy gave me the opportunity to have life and I want that how long ago was this this was Adam and Eve's son and we're still talking about him today We just lost what some people would call one of the greatest Christian leaders in America when Billy Graham died. We still talk about him, don't we? We compare ourselves to him. We want to speak to crowds like he did. I'm going to, you know, where's Jeannie? I'm going to find that movie, Kevin Can't Wait. It'll be all stretched out. It'll be like, when you put it in the VCR, if you can find the VCR. But that's Kevin's story. Is he kept brushing people aside around him. Looking for this big event. And then they would show these Billy Graham crusades on there. It's really kind of cool. And the people he was meant to minister to were the people around him that were hurting. We need to see the people around us, ladies and gentlemen. There's people around you hurting every day. And I'm going to tell you, they don't call you and say, Hey, I'm hurting. Can I talk to you? It's encoded. It's encoded. In somebody who was in your life and has gone silent. It's encoded. When they say... I can't do that right now. I'm overwhelmed. Take a minute and ask them why. Let them know you care. It's encoded in things like silence when you're around, when they're chatty normally. That's how you know there's a problem with me. 
Thank you for not saying amen. But it's incredible. You know, I, used, I had a pastor in my life, and he set me up, to be honest with you. He, did, he was trying to break through, but it wasn't time. He said, you need to see people. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? You need to see them. I see them all the time. <laughs> God uses who he uses. God used somebody in my life to, and it completely opened me up to see the hearts and minds of people around me. You know, why people do things. People do things. Here's why people do what they do. Because they think it's the best choice, right? How many of you, when faced with several decisions, picked the worst one intentionally? Nobody. Now, we can look back and say, yeah, that was not a good decision, right? But not intentionally. Intentionally, we make the best choices we can. So if I'm going to see you, and I see you out there banging your head on the asphalt, there's something in your life that caused you to think that's the best thing to do right then. I just had a friend whose wife committed suicide. And he quit his, he resigned his job. And somebody that was covering for him came and talked to me. And I asked about him. I said, how's he doing? And they said, and they said, terrible. Because he cannot make heads or tails of this. I said, what you have to understand is she was grasping for the only thing that she thought provided her hope. Nobody would commit suicide if they have hope anywhere else, right? Suicide is for the hopeless. They're hoping to escape. They see that as their only way out. That's why it happens. So beware that if the enemy is trying to tell you how terrible life is and how you're trapped and how this is awful and how this is bad and how you have no hope, he's going to bring that to the table. And it doesn't make you a terrible person if that thought runs through your mind. If the thought of suicide runs through your mind. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to explain why right now. What's the name of that new hamburger place right up here by uh, Whataburger? In-N-Out. In-N-Out. How many of y'all have ever been to In-N-Out? How many of y'all ever seen their double hamburger? How many of you just thought about hamburgers? Where did that come from? Me. Just because you have a thought does not mean it comes from you. I just proved it to you. And so that's why we're commanded in scripture to take every thought captive to Jesus Christ. I just did it to you. And if I can do it, because I ain't all that smart. The devil who's been around for over 6,000 years, who's a master in human nature, can do it easily. And so bring those things under the authority of Christ in your life. Don't try to manage your own life. Submit it to him. Maybe he's trying to break you. God is trying to break you. Maybe that's what's going on. 
And you keep fighting him. And it gets, you ever notice this? How it gets harder and harder. And the pressure keeps coming. Because he wants Mark to stop trusting in Mark. And start putting my faith in him. And when we do that, we experience victory. It ain't about finding hope in me. The only hope that's in me comes from him. I have no victory over this world in and of myself. My victory is only found in Him. And when I submit and surrender to Him and let Him speak and let Him work and let Him do His thing, then He gets the glory. And that's why it's a better sacrifice because it's by faith. Amen. Nobody wants to see what I can do. They want to see what God can do through them. Through them. And so cut it out. I want God... To give testimony to me. Wow. We don't think about it like that. But that's what happened here. That's why I know it was his faith. And not the sacrifice itself. And so. When we choose to walk in faith. Remember God takes notice. He takes notice. So what do we learn from this study. Enables faith. Relying on our own resources to please God doesn't work. Doesn't work. You know, we're starting a new class soon on the exchange life. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a peekaboo. You want to, you don't like peekaboos? Here's the peekaboo. The first lesson is improving your behavior will not make you a better Christian. That seems wrong, doesn't it? Anybody else think that? I'm with you. I fought against this. I was that. You remember that? You know that annoying kid that sat in class and asked a million questions. And you're like, please stop so we can get out of class. I was that kid when I first heard this. And I argued with the professor. And I used to wait after. I know he was like, oh, please go home. And he would talk longer with the other students, hoping he'd wear me out. Because for me, if I'm going to seek as a truth seeker, it has to check every box or I reject it. There is a lot of garbage being taught today. And if we don't sift through and discern what's true, we're going to believe a lie and be led down a rat hole. And I don't want my, my, my testimony going down a rat hole. Maybe we should put that on the sign. Don't let your testimony go down a rat hole. Come Sunday, 11 a.m. That's terrible. <laughs> Stephen says, I'll reward that for you. <laughs> Stephen's good at that for me. By the way, I'm just going to do it. I wasn't going to do it, but I am. The man that God used in my life to help me see people was Stephen. Thank God for him. You know, the guy set me up and did all the hard stuff. Stephen got to do the reaping. Because <laughs> he made one comment. I'm like, oh, that's what all these people were trying to tell me. Thank God for godly leaders who want to seek God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and don't want any 
kookaboo in their, in their belief system. That's a Hebrew word meaning baloney. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we learn? Relying it doesn't work. It doesn't matter how well-intentioned we are. Remember our best draws attention to us and not him. I don't give my best to draw attention to me. When I give, I give it all to Him and surrender. I give it all to Him and surrender. And He can do whatever He wants with it. If He wants to set it in a jar and a shop, that's okay. If that's my calling to, to hold place on that shelf, I'll do it. I'm okay with that. It's a little bit easier journey, actually, <laughs> than to be out there and have to walk in faith. You know, if I were to ask you if you wanted to walk in faith, we would all probably raise our hand, wouldn't we? But walking in faith means trusting when you don't have all the information. But you, you know the one who does and you've had direction from him. We all kind of want everything before we take a step for God. And God just doesn't work that way because without faith we can't please Him. So if He were to give us everything, and then we were to say, yes, I believe you and go do it, we now become unpleasing to God because there's no faith involved. Only sight. And so don't rely on your own resources. One, that's one. Two, lasting impact comes from surrendering to the direction and leadership of God by trusting in Him and walking in faith. Remember this. Only eternal things have eternal impact. <laughs> Only eternal things have eternal. Yeah, but what if God just wants me to take somebody a meal? If that's what God wants you to do, that can have eternal impact. But what's having the impact is the voice and the direction of God and your obedience in that. That's the eternal things there. He can use temporary things, but the eternal things are what is that. The fact that you were there for them, that you saw their need, and you were there for them. That's what I, the food will make them feel better for a little bit. But I have found this, that when I eat a meal, it lasts for about four hours, and then I get hungry again. And some food I eat don't even last that long. Right? Have you ever been, how many of you have ever eaten a meal and left the meal hungry? Right? Now I know that wasn't in a Baptist potluck. <laughs> but I've done that. Lasting impact. Eternal things of eternal impact. Do you want to have temporary or eternal impact? What do you want? You keep playing the game. You put on the show. You ain't fooling nobody. Jesus saw the tree leaving in its season. And there went a piece of fruit on it. And then he cursed the tree. And the tree withered and died. You know what the problem was? The tree was putting on a good show. It was in season with no fruit. And since there were no fruit, there was no reason for it. 
So you can talk and look a good game and get all pretty and, and here I am for God, yes. But if there ain't no fruit coming out of your life, then you're in season. And you're not walking in faith because faith is what's required for fruit. Y'all remember the passage on fruit? I had that in here and I skipped it, I think. It was last week. Where there's no fruit, there's fruit. There's more fruit and much fruit, right? Do you know how you move from fruit to more fruit? Pruning. That's the only way. That's the only way I've seen in scripture. If you've seen another, I would love to read it. The only way to go from fruit to more fruit is pruning. Getting the dead junk that's taking the life out of us that we're carrying. You know, we drag around so many dead corpses behind us, it's not even funny. You know one of them? Here's where I lose everybody. You know, here's, you know one, of the, one of the dead branches we, we drag around is the old man. The old man is dead and gone, ladies and gentlemen. He's dead and gone. You do not have an evil twin living inside of you. That's one of the other ones. I've given you two of the eight. You don't have a good dog and a bad dog, and whichever one you feed is the one who lives. That's the one I struggled with. Because I said, if that's true, then why do I still love sin? Right? Anybody love sin besides me? Nobody wants to admit it. Thank you. Me and me and Leonard. We love sin. Me and Leonard love sin. Oh, can you delete? Oops, that's on the radio. <laughs> Leonard Ski. <laughs> it doesn't tempt us if we don't like it, if it doesn't have some pleasure for us, right? How many of you have been tempted to go back for seconds at the barbecue place when you're already full? You're already full. Why would you be tempted? Because it's good. And what do we do? Do we get some of everything when we go back or do we choose and pick and choose just the bit like extra meat or extra? We don't go back and get extra artichokes. Thank you. That makes me better. We don't go back for that. We go back for the things we like. We don't go get extra pudding. Where do you think Golden Corral came from? It starts with a G also. <laughs> That's terrible. I've gone to Madeline now. I don't care. <laughs> But that's what we do. It draws us because we like it. And so we can either give in to the flesh or we can give in to the spirit. That's what he's talking about. It's not a bad dog. You don't have an old man. You have a flesh that's been trained by the old man. That's why we have to be renewed in our mind. That's in Romans 12. That's the one of the third one. You can stop sinning by understanding why you sin. There's only five more. Maybe nobody's going to come. <laughs> Three. What, change, uh, what changes lives 
is not our creativity for God. It's our vulnerability to God as we pursue him out of the light. When I see somebody who's so sold out that they're vulnerable, that they're willing to put their life out there for God. And they trust him. That moves me. Not somebody's exciting creativity. You know, there's things that appeal to our minds, but then there's things that appeal to our heart. Like I remember in 07, and I'll just tell you, there was a church in town that took the James Bond movies in 07 and used them as sermon titles. And when I first heard that, that's pretty creative. Die another day. You only live once or live twice. Or, I don't remember all of them. I wonder what they did with Golden Eye. <laughs> but I thought that's creative. But that appeals to our creativity, not to our heart. I think it misses the mark. Depends on what was in the sermons, right? Depends if the truth was presented. I don't think God doesn't give us creativity. I'm not, I'm not down on creativity. But I'm saying don't trust it the way you trust Him. Don't let it take the place of Him. And so, when we live this way in faith, the world sees God and not us. I don't want the world to... Listen, let me tell you something. This is not Mark's church. I didn't die for you. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. He gave his life for you. See, we are the church and we belong to him. We are in this together. This isn't some smart person telling somebody else. I am right there with you. I am right there with you. I learn stuff from you all the time. I get challenging texts. And I get phone calls and questions in person. And I've got to go look and go back. How many of you have ever hunted for a Bible verse that you knew was there and couldn't find it? Right? I know it's in there. <coughs> Godliness is next to cleanliness. That's not in the Bible. The, where's the rapture in the Bible? You know the word rapture is not in the Bible? But the rapture is in the Bible. It's in Thessalonians. I think it's, it's either 1st or 2nd chapter 5. 2nd. Check me. Somebody will text me. And so, listen. Walk in faith and give in glory, folks. You know, there's these, I read this story and I thought, man, this is so true. There's, there's these four boys and they were in college. We've all, you know, we've been there, we've been in class before. And they were, they got to class near the end of class. They were late. And they said, we're sorry we're late, teacher. We had a flat tire. And the teacher smiled at him and she said, well, I'm so sorry that you got here late. We had the test this morning. But because I don't want you guys to miss out, I want you guys to each sit in, in one of the four corners. And she put them in all the four corners. She said, I'm going to pass you 
if you can answer one question for me. And so she followed, where's my teacher? I got one here. Do you have any other teachers in here? All right. Okay. I got one and... No, that's what he did. I didn't do that for him. <laughs> She's like, wow, did you just do that in front of everybody? Like, <laughs> you have to, right? Thank you. And so she asked them. Why are you all red? She asked them, answer this one question, write it down, and turn in your paper. Which tire was flat? Pretty good. I'll send that to you. Which tire was flat? Listen, we so often think we're so smart and we got everything under control and we got all these things going on and we rely on ourselves and it takes something simple to remind us that we don't know everything we think and that God is greater than anything we face. And so put your faith in Him. Don't rely on your own craftiness to make it through this or to glorify Him. Amen. 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 Let's go ahead and bow their head and close their eyes.